Information about the world of running, inspiration to fuel passion and excellence, and ideas for making connections and finding community. You're listening to A to Z Running. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the A to Z Running podcast. I'm Andy. And I am still Zach. That's a good thing. Glad you're Zach. You know, in college, there was uh, we ran against uh, someone from another team whose name was Noah Two, and the first time someone said that, someone else thought they were saying like Noah also, <laughs> and it became this ongoing joke of like, "I'm Luke too." Wait, are you Luke also? <laughs> ah, that's uh, where that came from. I didn't yeah. understand that. At oh, you all. never knew no, that? No, I didn't oh, know yeah. the origination. That's of that. what. That's the meaning and of an Noah, inside joke. Noah, if you're listening, we'll send you an A to Z running T-shirt. Yeah, Just reach out to us. Yeah. We'll hit it up. Mm-hmm. Noah, too, by the way, you were awesome. You were excellent in college. It was great to see you racing. All right, so we've got a lot of great things in this episode from the world of running to our main topic, talking about what's going on in your minds because yes. we can read them so we know exactly what they are. <laughs> and we're definitely not going to tell you what's going on in our minds because who really wants to know anything about that? We already know too much, Zach. And in case anyone's curious, the brownie flavor today is fudge. Is there different kinds of chocolate brownies? I think yes. you're right. We have like four different kinds in the last several times we've done this. I don't like the fudge quite as much as the triple double or triple dark chocolate. Mm, that okay. was the, that Good was to the know. All right. Well, let's get started. World running update for this week starts off with the USA Track and Field National Championships, Indoor National Championships. That was this past weekend, Friday and Saturday. And um, as as many were kind of predicting, uh, on the women's side, Bowerman Track Club had a strong showing, stronger than I think some were predicting even. Um, the, the Bowerman Track Club women swept the 3K and the 1500, the two distance events wow. for indoors, meaning first, second, and third place. And Shelby Houlihan pulled off the double win. It's so impressive. Although I'm not completely surprised because she really knows how to show up. Yeah. Yeah, she's on fire um, these last couple of years now, just really crushing everything she's doing um, in most respects. So it's exciting to see. It's exciting to see her on top of her game Mm -hmm. in an Olympic year. Um, And certainly then, you know, this summer, if she carries the momentum. Well, she in 2000 for the 2019 Worlds, which was like this fall ish. Right. Yeah. In the 1500, she was fourth. Yep. And then this Saturday for an indoor championship for the U.S. indoor championship, she ran 406. So that's really, mm-hmm. that's a solid time for an indoor time. It is, absolutely. And we know she's got the range, too. She's run near American record-breaking times, if not breaking the American record at times, in um, 5K down to 1,500, and she's got a great 800 as well. So um, she's got the range. She's on top of her game. She's got the momentum. If she can carry it through, this summer is going to be uh, going to be a great showing for her. Yeah, pretty exciting. And we should mention our friend, Cody Rish. Absolutely. Yeah. She was on our, he was on our podcast last week. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. So he did that little. He did a little blurb about Coach Q and uh, the support and stuff, and uh, just was great to see because the next day after we posted that episode, he ran or walked in the race walk, three k race walk at the U.S. Championships and finished second, second place, that's which is awesome. his best ever finish mm-hmm. at a U.S. Championship. He he said to us, he's he's like, I've been third, I've been third, I've been third, I've been third and fourth. Um, and finally uh, was able to make the next step forward. So he's, now he's got a runner-up finish too. It was pretty exciting too because he was in third. 
And yeah. he had to really pull it out in the last little bit there. And you could tell, like, he didn't want to be third. It was in his head. Like, I'm yeah. not going to be third. And yeah, he you know, definitely succeeded. We ought to capture a soundbite from Cody articulating this. But I was texting with him and he and he said, you know, I was. it's easy to settle for third in that moment. Because he's like, I'm just always third. And uh, it's actually clues into our topic for this podcast episode, that mindset thing. Because um, he just saw himself as like, I, you know, I'm a guy who finishes third, certainly. So I can do that. Uh, but to, to go to the next level, he had to dig a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you look at his, if you have an opportunity to go to the results.usatf.org, you can see his split times and his last 200 meters just crushed it. I'm like, yeah, Cody, like, that's just awesome. So uh, really cool. Very excited for Cody. Uh, some not so good news. Yeah. So let's talk about the Tokyo Marathon. And I know some of our listeners were scheduled to run this race. I've been kind of going back and forth with you on social media, and I am so sorry. Yeah, it's in two weeks. It's, it's coming up March weeks. 1st. This is the largest marathon in the world. 38,000 runners are expected, were expected to run at this event. And it's, I guess I should say it's one of the largest marathons. One of, yeah. One of the largest marathons. But it's canceled. It's canceled because of the coronavirus and Japan has the highest number of confirmed coronavirus cases outside of China. So it they just couldn't risk it bringing yeah. people in from all over the world to bring it back to all over the world, especially with <laughs> the incubation uh, time period that they say happens for this virus. But that does not make it any easier for those of you who are feeling disappointment. So I'm very sorry for mm-hmm. you all that made those big plans, especially since some of you are trying to get your six stars for your major marathons. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe it was the right decision, but it stings bad and it's very frustrating. Yeah. There, there are questions being raised as how this epidemic will affect Tokyo's upcoming hosting of the Summer Olympic Games. This is what I'm reading from New York Times. Yeah. Um, you know, we've seen this before in international events where it's if there's a concern, a lot of athletes are just like, I'm not even going to risk it. I'm not going. Um, if there's something going on in that place or if there's concerns about these kinds of things, um, because, you know, we're talking about international events. We're trying to bring people from nearly all over, if not all over the world to one place at one time, which is a wonderful thing unless there's a, an epidemic contagion that everyone's sharing and spreading. So, yeah, it's. What are you going to do? It will be interesting to know, though, if there are some countries that are not allowing some of their athletes that are elite who are still supposedly allowed to compete go to Tokyo for this event. Because apparently there are still 200 to 300 elites that will be allowed to compete still just to have Mm -hmm. a smaller number. So I'm just wondering if maybe some of the countries are closing that, like if it's actually decided if they're going to be sending athletes. Yeah, well, some are because some countries have travel bans imposed and traveling to certain locations. Mm -hmm. So that automatically precedes your ability to run the race if your country has a travel ban on that So because they're not going to let your passport go through. But um, yeah, who knows? Who knows? So we got one more. And this one then we wanted to end, lift it back up, end on a positive note. Uh, Joshua Cheptegay. So you've heard his name if you've been listening to us for several weeks because we mentioned back in October in 2019 at the World Championships, he was, oh man, what place? Did he win the 10K? 
I'm going to have to double check this. I think he won the 10K. He medaled in the 10K at 19, 20 years of age. He, you know, very young, um, just stellar performance. And since then, he's just been on fire. Um, he, at one point, broke the 10K world record on the roads, which was then broken by Ronex Capruto after him. So he doesn't hold it anymore. Well, actually, it's not ratified yet, I don't think. But when it gets ratified, he, he won't hold it. Um, but he just, again, broke another road record. What? This one in the 5K, running, brace yourself, 12.51 for a 5K on the road. That is crazy. Freaky fast. So we've, we've mentioned it. We're looking at a point in time when road races are likely to start uh, preceding track races and the definition of what is the fastest environment to run and race. And that's, you know, you can you can do so many things on the roads, like find a course that's just really conducive to running fast, uh, find the right kind of weather and the right kind of location and all that stuff. And you can really manufacture a great environment for racing. And that's good. Um, but it's interesting to see how these records are just getting faster and faster. So two notes, two uh, trivia notes notes about Cheptegay's record here, which is, by the way, it's unratified. So we'll see as time, you know, when they actually make it official, but, um, it was 27 seconds faster than the previous unratified record, which was Ronex Capruto's mm. 5k in his 10k record. So he broke the 5k record during his 10k. Wait, how, how much did he break the record? 27 by? seconds. So 1251 running faster than 1318. What? But we already know that the 5K road record is only, it's a relatively new thing. And so someone previously had run, it's like Sammy Kipketer or something like that. He had run like 13 flat. So even then it's nine seconds under what would yeah. be the previous best 5K road time, which is really something too. Um, and so, yeah, running and the previous then uh, to be ratified record would have been the first 5K in Ronix Capruto's 10K time too, which is just crazy. So much fast happening in yeah. running. Let's get started with our main topic. It's all in your mind. And the inspiration for this post came from my very own brother, Luke Owens, who used to tell me, because he was the one who got me into running, that the pain was all in my head, which is not something a young teenage girl wants to hear. But it, it probably is something that young teenage boys find inspiring and motivating. You know, that's like, that sounds to me like a locker room, like the pain is all in your mind. And all yeah. the, you know, all the team that's members are like, yeah, but then there's, 100%. you know, the, the older brother saying it to the younger sister and it's not quite so compelling. I don't know. You know, though, I have to say like he was able to deal with intense amount of pain, like over yeah. the edge, it's possible himself that the, into the ground. Yeah, it's possible the pain. pain was just all in his mind. I can't think of the number of times of you know seeing him try to rip a fish hook out of his arm and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't <laughs> feel pain. My brother is very, very tough. Like he can run himself into oblivion. Like he's been known to run, like what was it? He was trying to get the three k yeah, time was, for nationals, was, and he'll be on the ground like jiggly legs and all. The nickname it wasn't a nickname. the 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 phrase on the team was he was a twenty eight hundred meter runner, not a three thousand meter runner. Which he is like tragic because it. he, but he always went for it. He went for that qualifying time for nationals. But he he's a very talented athlete, and he obviously could get past a lot of pain. 
Yeah. Brief caveat on that. We know that that's probably not healthy to do that repeatedly as an athlete. So if if you're hearing us say that and you're like, I want to be that athlete, the answer is no, no, you don't. Uh, but you know, to Luke's credit, he was just he was doing everything he could, and he did get to nationals <laughs> quite a few times. <laughs> Worked himself out. Yeah. So. I mean, he was. Uh, but you know, in an ideal world, that's not the way you should be racing. However, let's get back to the. But he was a soccer point. player, so. <laughs> That's part of it. Okay, so the main point, there might be some truth to pain being in her head. And I was reading a study. I'm thinking a lot about pain as I'm entering marathon week. You're talking like it's going to hurt or something. (laughs) It's just a marathon. (laughs) Just a marathon on hills in Atlanta with the fastest runners in the country. No big deal. No sweat. No sweat. Um, This study said that it was by Clinical Pain Advisor. They put this article out there about this study. Uh, Functioning by distraction while in pain is a common, common coping mechanism that works for people. So I was thinking about this in running the marathon when you have no distractions when you have no earphones, when you have no show like we might have on our treadmill, it's us with our thoughts. And distraction... Well, that's a bad place to be. <laughs> distraction is harder to come by at times. It depends on the race. Yeah, you know, there's there's some races out there that do a really good job of yeah. distracting you. Chicago did a pretty good job distracting, I must say. So the study is that even in the presence of mild to moderate pain intensity, I'm quoting here, cognitive related activity is minimally effective and individuals instructed to complete a task will do so despite the pain. So activity was minimally minimally affected. Right. So they were able to complete their task regardless of their pain scale. Interesting. Yeah, because they had the task that they were on a mission to accomplish. And there is also... The idea of expectation that they talk about in this article. And if you are educated in what to expect, let's say like in chronic pain, what they were talking about, if the doctor or nurse or PA or whomever from the medical field tells you what to expect, you're much more likely to be able to endure the pain better when you have you can, you know, interpret the information. So so you're telling me that when when the nurse says this will just it'll just feel like a little pinch and then they stab you in the arm <laughs> with a seven inch long needle that's a quarter inch thick and you feel like you've just have your had your muscles shorn off. You mean that that's not good practice? Well, I in fact, what you're saying is like the the counter of the this is going to hurt a little like preparing someone like saying this is going to hurt a little and then doing it. And that's Mm -hmm. exactly the mindset that we can take when we go into a a race of any kind of any distance. If we prepare ourselves mentally and have the information of what the race might be like, what it might feel like, then we will have a better outcome and be able to push through the pain more. So Andy, Atlanta Trials marathon, uh-huh. it's going to hurt a lot. It's going to hurt a lot. All right, yeah. so just be ready to hurt a lot for a long time. Yeah, it's been kind of hard to wrap my mind around. And, it, and it's not because of just running a marathon. It's kind of like a lot of factors rolling into it. Well, there's a greater degree of, of cognitive strain in different kinds of environments that influence how we think about pain as well, which I, it's not exactly captured in this study particularly, but um, certainly the sense of like distraction and not distraction um, you know, it, when when I'm distracted negatively, it, it may actually enhance how I experience the exactly, pain as yeah. well. So, yeah. So 
I guess the whole point of this and what I'm kind of excited about in gaining this information and gaining this knowledge is that we shouldn't go into a race unplanned with our thoughts. Like we need to plan our thoughts for the whole race. And for a marathon, that's going to be a lot of things. There's going to be, we're going to talk about a lot of things, but mantras. You might even have a couple songs that you've memorized the lyrics to to go through form objectives, going through multiple different form form objectives to concentrate on those to distract ourselves. So going in with an empty brain and no plan for when that pain comes is not a good idea. Having there be some sort of planned mental activity is the recommendation that I'm coming away with from this study. That's good stuff. So that's our transition then, because um, what we're going to be what we're going to be doing is talking about um, the answer to the question: what's what's life like in your inner running world mind, um, both in general and as you're thinking about a race and as you're engaging in a race. Um, obviously, that's timely for Andy here and as well for many of you. Um, so really, the idea is kind of those two parts. Before we get to that, I just want to make a comment about this concept of like identity as a runner. And Andy posted uh, a great reflection on this sense of imposter syndrome that many of us feel. So if you didn't read that in the blog recently, uh, definitely we'll link that in the show notes page, which for this one will be a to z running.com slash episode 220. So um this idea of like how I identify as a runner or not, or the way that I see myself as a runner um, matters a lot. And it's this whole concept of I'm creating personas. We're always creating personas. I love the the inner world idea because whether it's conscious or not, because it's not conscious for all of us, but we craft an inner world that represents how we perceive the world around us as well as ourselves in that world. And it has everything to do with building these personas about the people around us and ourselves. And so when I think about that, like how do I actually think about myself as a runner? What is my persona that I've created? Um, that matters here because that will play itself out in every circumstance, in successes and failures, when the pain hits or when I'm feeling great, whatever that persona is that I've created or even unconsciously adopted without intentionally crafting, because um, that will happen. If it's not on purpose, it'll still happen. Um, I'll play out that persona. You know, am I someone who grits it out and perseveres? And if I am, then I'm going to try to grit it out and persevere when the pain hits, you know, that kind of thing. So um, we're going to reflect on that. And I wanted to just give a brief example. So as we get into, it's it's two parts, by the way, and that'll be helpful to think about. Um, it's what you see. Uh, so the idea of like, look in a mirror, what do you see as your runner identity? And what do you tell yourself? The self-talk piece will address both of those. So the, the one that always stands out to me was back in college, um, shortly after my freshman year, Back in college, I had a team captain, Derek Scott. So shout out to Derek. I don't know if he listens to this, but maybe someone can get it in front of him here. Um, shout out to Derek. So he was D was awesome. Um, he he was a great team leader. He was an inspiring and encouraging person, and he also l- walked the walk. He he talked it well and he walked it well. And so he was a great persona to try to embody and represent uh, for many of us young runners. And so I had the luxury after my freshman year, certainly wanting to kind of like look up to him. But then after my freshman year, I had the luxury of being able to live with him and a bunch of the other guys in a house um, in the summer. And so 
in doing that, the proximity mattered there because then I was like going for runs with Derek all the time and um, just getting to kind of live alongside and with him. And he kept saying this whole thing. And at the time, Derek had just won the national championship in the 1500 meters in outdoor track, um, which which was just it was a, it was a great experience um, and kind of like the capstone for so many things he had been trying to do. And so he, he just kept saying, like, one of the most important things is if you want to be a national champion, you have to see yourself as a national champion. You have to train like a national champion. Um, and he just kept reinforcing that in a lot of different ways. Like even we were talking about like we'd sit down for dinner and be like, what are we eating? He's like, this is what national champions eat. Like he, he was just all consumed by it. And the fire was great. It was very inspiring. Um, but I just, you know, I, I really took that to heart at the time and just started looking at everything I was doing as a runner. Like when I do drills before or just a regular casual run, Um, when I'm gearing up for a race, when I'm planning a race, all those things, I just kept telling myself, what does a national champion think about or do with these things? And it was artificial because I really didn't know, but it made, it created a persona so that when it happened, if you will, um, you know, when I got to those moments. Spoiler alert, he was a national champion. So it, it did actually happen in this case, which that's, you know, this is not the promise. The promise isn't if you do that, you'll be a national champion. Um, but, but when it would happen, when the thing would happen, I, I reacted to what was happening to me in those times, good and bad, as this persona would react. And that's important. Um, and over time, I was able to craft it because I would notice negative reactions to things. Like I didn't like the way I, you know, I, I kind of crumbled during this workout or I you know, skipped a couple of things because I was hungry and wanted to get to dinner after a run. Like I didn't like those kinds of things and I didn't see that. It was cognitive dissonance. That's not the way... Uh, that I was aspiring to be. So I would over time adjust that as well. And I think I conditioned kind of a a pretty sound persona for that. I do want to play the other side of it. Sometimes we get stuck in a past persona. Yes. And our past failures or something that even happened, traumatic things in our past can hold us back to seeing what we could aspire to. And I personally had that. Um, I was comparing myself to a previous version of myself before I was injured, before I got hips that I was, I felt like I was on track for major success in high school. I was running really fast times and training and then I got hurt. And I just had a hard time recovering from that. Like years later, like in Mm. college, I was still having a hard time because I expected more from myself than what I was able to do. And I was unsatisfied and I was stuck. Well, and in a sense, you're, you're, you were crafting your persona as I'm not that. Right. And instead of trying to to reformat as whatever, you, whatever your strengths and weaknesses are, obviously you were struggling with some things that were very real too, physically, but um, you know, you, you have to, you have to recraft that persona and move forward as opposed to. Right. Constantly. And I'll never be it you know, 14 year old girl ever again. So that was a bad place to <laughs> well, that's mentally. <laughs> exactly. You know, that was a bad place to stick myself mentally. So anyway, yeah. So looking at both things, uh, a persona of what you would like to be versus a persona that maybe is a place where you were stuck. So you're doing that in two ways. Um, you're doing that with what you see when you look in the mirror, because the reality here is it's not a, it's, it's not this is something you craft. You craft the image that you see when you look in the mirror with this kind of thing and what you what you say to yourself. So uh, we, we just kind of address that a little bit with the example with Derek there. But 
Um, it's just certainly like, what is, what is my runner identity? This is where I want to just reference back to Andy's post about the imposter syndrome thing. Like, do I actually see myself as a runner or am I, or when am I looking in the mirror, do I say, I don't look like runners actually look, you know, I don't, I don't do the things that runners actually do or, you know, fill in the blank marathoner. Do I see myself as a marathoner? I'm gearing up for this race, but you know, I don't really look like those other marathoners. I don't, I don't wear the same clothes. I don't have the same understanding. Like, you know, all of those kinds of things. Yeah. And I'm currently going through that. I Like I mentioned for the Olympic trials marathon, I've had very f- low mileage weeks and I'm struggling with some injury stuff right now. And I have to just let go of that stuff because I do s- want to see myself as a contender for maybe the top 300. <laughs> that sounds silly. We all have our own goals, right? Um, so like, I, I want to be able to do the best I can possibly do on the day that I'm given, but I feel like an imposter. I feel like I had a fluky day in Chicago and now I'm like this mom who's trying her best to string together five days of running in a row. Mm. So I, w- I want to give a practical point of advice for anyone, whether you're in a similar situation as Andy just articulated or just in general, feel like you struggle with something like that. Um, find an example of someone who you say that person's just like me, who is successful in the thing that you want to be successful in. Find an example of that because then now it's proof to yourself that someone just like me can do this, which means I belong here. Yes, but without comparing. So it's all no, very no, no. fragile stuff. It's, yeah, it's not a comparison. It's <laughs> saying, that's exactly the opposite of what we want to be doing. What it's doing is it's saying, this is how I'm identifying myself. This is how I view myself. And look, there's someone just like me who is successful. So I can be too. You need to feel like you belong in whatever that context is. And and one of this is, this is actually, this comes from the field of education. So many of you know that I work in education. And so I see a lot of these examples and studies and things. But there's a common intervention for classrooms out there where students feel like they're not smart enough, they're not good enough, or they're not A students or whatever those things are. But if they see someone who they say that person's just like me, and they see that person who loves school, who enjoys math, who does all of those kinds of things, those academic things, um, they're immediately more likely to believe that they belong there as well and that they can do or that they will do or that they would like those things. So the same thing applies here. We need to find examples. That's why the whole concept of role model is a valuable concept. So, um, and, and I would mention this whole persona thing as we're talking about it, like we just, we're, we're great imitators, the human race, we're great imitators. And the problem with it is we're always imitating whether or not we're doing it on purpose. And that's where the negative stuff tends to happen so easily is because it's just easier to imitate negative things, you know, like as a gut reaction, because like Andy said, it's going to hurt. There's going to be pain. So the negative reaction is a more, is a, is a more instinctual reaction to those things. But we shouldn't let that just happen. We should be conscientious, which I think then that begins in our self-talk. We talk about how I see myself, but how do I talk to myself? We've mentioned Dathan Ritzenhine a lot in this podcast and our blog posts. And Dathan suggests that we repeat things to ourselves and we do it, like Zach said, whether we realize it or not, we're either imitating, we're speaking to ourselves, we're always in communication with our mind. And we need to be sure 
to feed ourselves positivity. Yeah, uh, that positive mantra thing. Dathan mentioned it in the interview we had with him, and then it was just it was just wonderful coincidence that Parker brought it up. Parker Stinson brought it up when we interviewed him. And he, you know, he's coached by Dathan. So clearly Parker's influenced by Dathan as he's articulating that. But also it's not, it's not unique. Like Dathan didn't come up with that. Um, so there's, there's clear gravity. He's a master of it. Yeah, certainly. There's clear, clear gravity. And I would certainly uh, look for that in, in small or big ways. Yeah. So something that sometimes I think about and what I did think about in Chicago was realizing that tomorrow's not guaranteed to be able to do this again. And to think like, this could be my last marathon. What do I want to do with this? You know what I said to myself before the Chicago marathon in 2015? That you never wanted to do it again? No, I did say that, (laughs) but that's not what my mantra was. Um, I kept saying, if tomorrow I die, know that today I tried. And that was my whole self-talk mantra. At least I tried. I gave it what I could. And I just kept saying that to myself. And I'm glad I did. I don't know that it actually... Uh, you know, was what I was saying to myself when the pain really set in, but it certainly was on my mind. And another thing that I think about too during races is that it matters. How I respond to pain matters. And that's in all aspects of life because suffering and pain are guaranteed in our lives. And in that moment, it's like a microcosm for life. And I want to be a conqueror. I want to be an endurer. And is that a word? Endurer? I don't know. The rural juror. Some of you will know what that reference is. <laughs> yes, I love 30 Rock. But yes, in my race, I want to overcome so that when the tough stuff in life comes, I'm ready for it. And I think, uh, so we talk about like the concept of mantra, which is by itself a form of meditation. And so in general, certainly uh, meditation is essential. And we, so this, this is a concern I have in my own life in a lot of different ways where I always find it easier to fill the empty space with content. Uh, you know, I love podcasts and that kind of a thing. So the content is literally like forthcoming at any moment in time because podcasts are everywhere. There's billions of them and it's all good. So not, not all good. Um, but uh, what that does is that reduces the potential for meditation where the the open space is a time to think. So actually during running, I have taken to less and less wanting to listen to anything, even sometimes on the treadmill. Although most of the time I still on the treadmill, I still do something. Otherwise it's just too difficult. But, um, I don't like to listen to things when I'm running because it's like the only time and space I have that's totally empty. And that's important because meditation's happening then and I can I can direct it intentionally. I love the concept of like, um, you know, negative meditation. Worry is negative meditation. It's a form of meditation. Um, it's just usually unintentional. And so we're, we're thinking about things all the time. And what we're thinking about on repeat is what we're meditating on. It, are those negative things? Are those positive things like mantras and such? Or are we just thinking about things in an optimistic way? Like, here's what I'm going to do when the pain sets in. And I just reflect on that and meditate Mm -hmm. repeatedly. Like I mentioned earlier, the science says that if we're able to distract ourselves, that we will be able to endure the pain better. So having our plan, having our mantras, having our music in our head, obviously we can't all listen to music during our runs, is a really good way to distract ourselves and be positive so that the negative thoughts don't have a chance to come and get us. Yeah. And in the same sense, prayer. And I think that that's one of the things we've addressed at different points in time. I think that that's, um, you know, how, how I am trying to, 
humble myself before uh, before my God, before a greater sense um, is important because meditation often um, meditation often isolates myself and I don't always want to isolate myself. So how I pursue that and what I'm thinking about um, matters as I try to move myself forward, um, as well as, as I try to get a better sense of myself. I, I mentioned personas earlier and we're always trying to like imitate personas in different ways. Um, th- this is a good time to try to, to try to grow my sense of understanding of, of myself and the things I'm trying to aspire toward. Yeah. I think that those are really good. And I think also focusing on what we have to be grateful for, and this can happen before the race so that we have these things to think about during the race. So making a list, Hmm. maybe even writing it down on paper or on an iPad or phone or whatever would be great before a race happens. Because when you're running a race and you know, like your, your significant other is there, your kids are there, your parents are there, and they've made these sacrifices for you and you've thought through how grateful you are for their support. I'm going to imagine that when you run by them in the race, you will be more positive. Yeah. Um, and the concern here might be if you spend the three days before the race uh, frustrated by, you know, everyone's demanding things of me and every and everyone's, you know, texting me and saying, how do I track you on the race? And, and then all of that's bothering me and such and all. So that's negative meditation then. So then when I see those people in the race, it potentially has a negative impact, even if it's unconscious. Yeah. Oh, good point. So again, it comes back to, I have to literally intentionally think positively about and prepare myself in my mind and how I'm talking to myself about these things before the experience. That's a really good point. Yeah. So I guess we can translate that to other things too. So seeing your entire race as an opportunity for thanks, if you think about your feet and you're like, oh, I'm so glad that I don't have a stress fracture in my foot. My feet are powerful. <laughs> They're put together. I have all 10 toes, you know, and, and the same with your legs. Oh, my legs are feeling powerful underneath me. Wow. I'm so grateful that I have symmetry today. And if you don't like me occasionally, <laughs> you find another thing to be grateful for. But there are so many things. And in our race, we can really be grateful for, for health and for mobility and for power. So, Andy, to kind of wrap this up for us, to conclude our episode, you, what does it take right now? to put yourself in that space, to be successful in your self-talk and how you're identifying. Yeah, so putting aside anything that I can't control and finding my identity and the persona, the person I know that I can be, but also who I am right now and I've been practicing. The last three years have been a lot of perseverance and overcoming some really challenging times. And I think they've prepared me for this. So as I, as I look at Atlanta and I think about what I will be facing there, I can't know how it's going to all play out. But the one thing that I do know is that one, that it matters how I persevere and two, that I've been practicing to do just that. Awesome. So the next time you all hear from us, we're going to be in Atlanta or on our way to Atlanta, depending on when you listen to the next episode. And we're going to be in the heart of things, Uh capturing for you some stories, some ideas, some insights from the 
country's best and in many cases the world's best mm -hmm. marathoners yeah so exciting very exciting so be sure you don't miss that next time around. Hit us on all of those social things. Yeah, so there is a giveaway going on right now that ends tomorrow, Friday at 5 p.m. So make sure you toss your hat in the ring, but you'll be looking for more of these giveaways coming up as well. So if you subscribe, mm -hmm. that is the way to be eligible to our uh, blog. So you'll find that right there at a to z running.com. It's free to subscribe. Talk to you again soon. Mm -hmm.